0: oh lord we come before you this morning lord we thank you for your presence and your grace in our lives lord we thank you for your presence and your grace in this church lord i pray over each person that's here this morning lord each person that's listening over podcast lord we pray right now in jesus name that their ears would be open to hearing your word lord that their hearts and minds would be open to receiving your word Lord, I pray over the message this morning that it's delivered with clarity, that it's delivered with wisdom, but Lord, more than anything, that it's delivered with your word. Lord, that they're not my words that are spoken, but your words that are spoken. That I'm not just coming off of my experience and bias, but Lord, we're coming straight from your authoritative scripture. Lord, we thank you that you have given us instructions in our life. Lord, we thank you that you guide us and give us principles on how to navigate this walk that we have called Christianity. Lord, we praise you again and again for your grace and mercy in our lives. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. We all said amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to continue in our series on identity, who are we? You say, Pastor David, this has been a pretty long series. It seems like you've been doing identity, who are we? For a long time. Well, I may use this again, but as of today, this will be the last of our identity series. So, our identity series is, we're concluding it this morning by finishing up on the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Now, I want to go do a quick overview for those who may, ha- may not have been here, or those who were here, or heard the messages, but just need a quick overview. And so I want to make it clear, I've said this every time, I'll continue to say it, that we are not a church that follows after signs and wonders. We are a church that follows hard after the presence of God and his purpose in our lives. Signs and wonders will be an effect of this. And I think they should be an effect of this. But they are not the main focus of this ministry. They are not the only thing to attain. So when we talk about signs and wonders, we want to see God move. We want to see the Spirit move. We want to see healings. We want to see miracles. We want to see words of wisdom and knowledge. We want to see faith, and we want to see people speak in tongues. But we want to do it in order, and we want to do it as the Bible directs us. Amen? Amen. So let me say this about the gifts. First, these are not natural gifts that are... These are not natural God-given gifts and talents and abilities. We shouldn't confuse our natural giftings with spiritual giftings. Uh, Second, the gifts are irrevocable. God has given them to you and he will not take them away. That is out of Romans 11 and 29. Third, the gifts are here for a purpose. What are they here for? Number one, they're here for the edification of the saints. They're here for the edification of the church, for the lifting up of the church, for the comfort of the church. Number two, and the biggest thing here, is they are always, always, always to be used in love. In everything we do, it's to be used in love. And these are the gifts that we've covered so far. We've covered the word of wisdom, a supernatural utterance at a given moment which discloses God's mind, will, and purpose in regards to a specific situation. The word of knowledge. The word of knowledge provides insight into a person's past or current history, not to condemn or belittle them, but to edify them, to bring healing into their lives. We talked about the gift of faith. This is a special gift where the Spirit provides Christians with extraordinary confidence in His promises, in His power, in His presence. Of course, then we spoke about the gifts of healing and miracles. Then we talked about the gifts and how a lot of times they're used in correlation with each other. So the gifts of healing, a lot of times, is used with the gift of faith. A lot of times miracles are used with the gift of faith. These, these things are used in correlation with each other. Then we talked about the gift of prophecy. Remember, two weeks ago, we talked about the gift of prophecy. Last week, we had an awesome church picnic, and thank you for those who came and for help, and, and that was awesome. But two weeks ago, we talked about prophecy and what it was. That it wasn't a uh, fortune-telling. That it wasn't anything like that. It was speaking edification and comfort to men. That he who prophesies edifies the church. Then we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it says this. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit... There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then it goes into listing what those gifts are. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I want to focus this morning on tongues and interpretation of tongues. I want to focus this morning on speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, before we go any further, I want to read again what the scripture says. But one and the same Spirit, meaning the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, works in all these things, including tongues and interpretation of tongues. Amen? Now. I'll be the first one to say that tongues, speaking in tongues, is probably the most controversial gift that we're going to get into. I saved it for last because it is the most controversial. It's something that people kind of talk about and that now there are some churches that it's heavily emphasized. There's some churches where it's not heavily emphasized. There are diversities of gifts, but keep in mind that it's all the same Spirit. The, also, the other thing that's important to understand here is this, where it says distributing to each one individually as he wills. God is sovereign. God will sovereignly gift you. It is up to him. He is God and I am not. Amen? He is God and I am not. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Tongues. I'm going to ask, well, I don't know if I should ask for a raise of hands. Let me say it this way. There are some that are confused by tongues. There are some in the church who are confused by tongues. It's a mystery to many. You say, Pastor David, what is this tongues that you speak of? What is speaking in tongues? And maybe they've been in a service where they've heard it before and they weren't quite sure what they were hearing. Maybe you grew up in a church like I did where we heard it all the time and it was kind of a normal thing. Maybe you grew up in a church where you never heard it before and this might be the first time you've ever even heard of it. It's a mystery to some. There are many views on tongues from many different sources. But as we dive into the subject... I want us to be always and ever aware of the source that we should go to. And that is the Word of God. There's there's a lot of voices out there. There's some voices saying tongues should never be used for today. There's some voices saying that you should always use tongues. There's there's a lot of different voices. But I want to say, let's look at what the Bible says. Is that okay? Let's look at what the Bible says. I believe the Bible says it the way it should be. Now, we have to be careful because we want to read it within context. We want to read it with clarity. Now, I'm going to share today from the Bible, as well as my own experiences, and my prayer is that this morning there wouldn't be any confusion. Because tongues can be a confusing thing for a lot of people. I pray that there wouldn't be any confusion but that our eyes would be open to, cl- with, cl- to clearly understand what tongues is, what it's not, and how it can be utilized in your life. Now, it is 11.15. I usually wrap up around 12 o'clock, which means I have about 45 minutes to share with you the message on Tongues. There is no way that I can fit an exhaustive study on tongues into 45 minutes. My encouragement to you is to study this on your own as well. My encouragement to you is not just, not just take the word from here and say, well, that's what I get for the day. It's to go and study God's word for yourself. It's to study, look in scriptures, dig into, into it yourself. But use this as a stepping off point. Use this as a catalyst for your own study. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I love the word imagery here of sounding brass or a clanging cymbal because sounding brass or clanging cymbal characterizes an annoying sound. It's of no, it's just boing, it's out there, right? I don't have, I'm not a drummer, but a clanging cymbal, that's what it sounds like. It's just, it's just out there, it's nothingness. But though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I have not love... I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. We need to have love in everything we do. Amen. So Paul describes. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth. He's speaking to the Corinthian church, and he describes this. Though so I speak with tongues of men and of angels. I want to focus on this: tongues of men and of angels. What would be a tongue of men? Anybody? What would be a tongue of men? English would be a tongue of men. Your language, would, Russian would be a tongue of men. Spanish would be a tongue of men, right? Latin, I don't know if people really speak that anymore, but... How many here speak more than one language? <laughs> Nobody here speaks more than one language? Anybody speak, any Espanol? When I say Espanol, like, I probably say it in the worst way possible, <laughs> so... I don't speak more than one language either, so that's okay. But I want to bring you to Acts chapter 1. When we talk about, when I talk about human languages, when I speak the tongues of men, this human languages, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. And the account is given to us, go ahead to Acts chapter 1, and the account is given to us in chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And it says this, And being assembled together with them, He commanded them. Who's he? Jesus. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have not heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, you have to understand, they didn't get why Jesus was here. They didn't understand it fully. They thought he had come to restore Israel back to power. They wanted this kind of the political figure. They didn't understand exactly what he was doing. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Keep going. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one place. They were all in one place. We find them in this place called the upper room. We find them in this place, the upper room. This is what we call the upper room experience. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each one of them that it appeared that there was fire above them, and that it sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Keep going. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. From every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. And they were confused. And here's why they were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to each other, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? They were speaking Russian, or Spanish, or German, or English, or Hebrew, or Aramaic. They were speaking to all the different languages there because the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. In this instance, in this account, it's speaking in tongues in this account is speaking in a human language. There have been stories, there have been Rumors of stories, but there have been experiences. And I have experienced, uh, I I know a person personally who has experienced this. Where they were praying, and they began to pray in tongues. And as they were praying, the other person was hearing it in their natural language of Spanish. Now you say, well, Pastor David, that's pretty amazing. That's the Spirit of God. That's the power of God where, where he is speaking and somebody who doesn't understand English, let's say it's somebody who doesn't understand English but they understand Russian, and the person starts praying in tongues and all of a sudden the person that understands Russian is hearing Russian. That would be, I mean, that's an amazing thing. You say, well, Pastor David, I've never experienced that. You say, Pastor David, I've never even heard of that. I'm telling you, it happens a lot with missionaries. It'll happen a lot with just people that need to be, conf- it's a confirmation. And so we want to be aware that the, first lang- that the first part of speaking in tongues, and there are two parts, and we'll get into that, is the tongues of men, this human language. And then they list uh, in the scripture, if you keep reading, it lists all the different parts of the world that they were from. And then it ends in saying this. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We hear, there's no way they know German, but they spoke German to me. There's no way they know Spanish. I don't know Espanol. You want to know how I don't know Espanol? Because I say Espanol. So I, don't, I don't know another language. I know very little. I know <laughs> very little of other languages. So, the account of the upper room is that when they spoke in tongues, they were speaking in a known human language. A known human language. And this is the first type of tongues. Now, I would say that this type is probably the least controversial because it's so amazing. People say, "Wow, you know, you don't know Russian, but you were speaking, and they heard Russian." And I mean, it put forth the gospel, and they were hearing them—the wonderful works of God. That's an amazing thing. There's not a whole lot of controversy when it comes to hearing another human language. People say, "Wow, that's amazing. That's that God would do that. That's incredible." Here's where it gets a little bit misunderstood. The second type of tongue. Because we talked about the tongues of men, now we have to talk to the tongues of angels. The tongues of angels. This would also be referred to in various ways. Maybe you've heard somebody say, praying in the spirit. Maybe you've heard somebody say, praying with the heavenly language. In other words, these are words that are not understood by men, but only by God. But these are words that are not understood by men, but they're understood by God. You say, well, Pastor David, this is where I don't speak in tongues. Pastor David, I don't speak in tongues. I've never spoken in tongues. Or maybe I spoke in tongues, but I wasn't sure it was tongues. And, and it just sounded like babbling. It just sounded like, it just sounded like incoherent words. These, this is a language that would not be understood by you. That would not be understood by your neighbor, that would be understood by God. Now, when I was six years old, I prayed with my Father for salvation. Then I also prayed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit, there is a work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. And then there is an overflowing, an infilling, an overflowing of his presence in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we talked about John's baptism, which is a baptism with water. How many remember being baptized with water last year? When you were baptized with water, did you get a little sprinkle? No, you got dunked, right? You were immersed in water. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is no different except instead of water, you're being baptized and immersed and consumed by His presence. Amen? That when I am baptized by the Holy Spirit, I am overwhelmed and overtaken by His presence. And I prayed for the uh, salvation with my father. It was a winter night in Michigan. I remember it clearly that I prayed and I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I began to speak with other tongues. Now, I will be the first one to say that at six years old, I didn't quite understand what I was doing. It sounded strange to me. It sounded like "shitara bohosa. It sounded like shita bada Honda, bada Mitsubishi. Come on. It didn't quite make any sense to me. It, didn't, it sounded as if the, the words, the, it, was a, it was staggered and it was stuttered, and, and I didn't quite understand exactly what I was saying. And I wasn't supposed to. This was a private prayer language. This was the language, this, this tongues of angels. And you say, well, Pastor David, that sounds really strange. I understand that. But you know what else seems strange? That people who are sick are healed. You know what else seems strange? That people who have no knowledge of a person's past or history or anything are able to speak directly into their lives and directly into their situation. That seems strange to me. You know what else seems strange to me? That people that have no earthly idea what's going on in someone's life, but they're able to speak a word of wisdom into them. They're able to lay hands on them and they recover. They're able to do healings and miracles. And, that, and keep in mind what the Word of God says, that it's all of the same spirit. So you say, well, Pastor David, I don't understand tongues. It's confusing to me. Be assured, the Bible gives us assurance. It's all of the same spirit. Say, well, Pastor David, I've never experienced it in my life. I can understand that. There's people who haven't experienced tongues in their life. And the reason for that, we're going to get into the reason why some don't experience tongues. And actually, we're going to get into that right now. 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Have you ever been praying? And you're praying, you say, God, I just want, I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I'm just just, praying, and I I don't know what else to pray. And I've already prayed over my dad, my mom, my brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my nieces, my nephews. i got nothing else in my mind to pray. And I'm praying, and Lord, in the name of Jesus, I need a sitarabohosa tarabese. Dibra ha And so out of your spirit comes the words, and they're not your words in your mind, but you're praying out of your spirit. You're praying out of your spirit. You say, Pastor David, that sounds strange. To where the Bible describes it sometimes as as groanings. As groanings where you're in such a state of prayer that just, I have no more English words to convey to my God. And so I just sipra hashatara bohose. It's groanings and utterings. It's my private prayer language. That we're speaking mysteries that no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries that I'm not speaking to men because it wouldn't make any sense to you, but I'm speaking to God. So there are times when the Holy Spirit will speak through us where we are speaking mysteries or in a language that cannot be understood by men. And this is where it gets confusing to some. This is where it gets confusing to some. I hope none are confused here this morning. But just in case you are, you're in good company. Because Acts chapter 14, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, says this. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in there those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Just because you don't understand tongues doesn't mean you're an unbeliever. Sometimes it just means you're uninformed. And so what we're doing here this morning is informing you, right? So there are some who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say that you're out of your mind? I love the wording of the scripture. Won't they say you're crazy? Won't they, I mean, won't they say you're nuts? (laughs) I remember uh, being in a church service when I was younger and uh, we were sitting there, and somebody began to speak in tongues. And I remember hearing two kids behind me, and they were about nine, ten years old. And I remember sitting there, and, and behind me, I could hear them say, Hey, what's that language they're speaking? And the other one looked at him over and whispered, I think it's Hebrew. Because they we're in a church service, so I think it's Hebrew. I kind of I chuckled and kind of turned around a little bit. I said, it's not Hebrew. It's tongues. And it wasn't Hebrew. The person was speaking in tongues. This person was speaking the mysteries of God. Now, here's where I want to provide clarity for you. You say, up to now, you may be saying, Pastor David, this, this speaking in tongues, what is this? What, why, it sounds strange to me. What is speaking in tongues? First, it is a private prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14:4 says this. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself lifts himself up comforts himself lifts himself up but he who prophesies edifies the church. Okay? Now, I want to it's a private prayer language and I want to emphasize private There are some times where you're in a service and the pastor or the preacher may say to you, if you know how how to pray in the Spirit, please pray in the Spirit right now. When people pray in the Spirit, in that type of setting, uh, that would be their own private prayer language. In In that context where the pastor says, please pray in the Spirit right now, it would be in their own private prayer language. Now, there are some people who want to make their private prayer language very public for everybody. And I'm not referring to a public tongue or a tongue which, which is, serves the church. We're going to get into that in just a second. But literally, there are some people who, wherever they go, they walk around praying in tongues. I had a, a, a guy, an acquaintance in college. And he was an acquaintance, and this kid... He would speak in tongues everywhere he went. It was strange. It was goofy. He'd be, should about a Honda, bought a Mitsubishi. should about a Honda, bought a Mitsubishi. Bought, hey, Jeff, should about a Honda, bought a Mitsubishi. Yeah, right? It was strange. It was weird. And I'm joking around about Honda, Mitsubishi, and all that stuff. But, but it was strange. It was weird. And I, I said, oh, so what are you doing? I'm just praying in the spirit, brother. I'm just lifting myself up. So we sit down one day and we're playing a game of chess. And I don't know if I was winning or he was winning, but at some point he started speaking in tongues. I looked at him and I said, what are you doing? Just praying in the Spirit, brother. I said, unless the Holy Spirit's giving you moves, please shut up. It's strange. It's goofy. Now, I want to speak to you. It was weird. It is a private prayer language. It is when you are in your prayer closet with God, when you are praying, that, that you start to speak in tongues. You're speaking mysteries that, that you can, not out of your English language, but out of your spirit. You're your offering up to God. It is not just for you to walk around and oh, I speak in tongues and look how holy I am. That's not what it's for. There's as a private prayer language, but there is a second aspect to it. And that is for a public prophecy. For a public prophecy. This would be where there is a person who would speak in a tongue that everybody would hear. And then there would be an interpretation of that tongue. That because nobody can understand what was being said, that there is another person that would interpret what was being said. And that interpretation would be a prophecy for the church. To edify, to lift up, to exhort, to comfort. It was never judging. It was never just... Uh, there's, there's, <laughs> there was a time in my life where a person stood up in a church, the person stood up and gave a tongue. And I say tongue in quotation marks because it did not seem very godly at all. Because what happened was he, he gave the tongue and sat down and another person stood up and started giving a word from God. And I say word in quotation marks because the word was blasting the pastor. I mean, just going off on the pastor. And he was absolutely out of order in the wrong against God by doing that. Out of order in the wrong. And he sat and it was weird because as he was giving the word that was supposedly directly from God, it sounded as if he had memorized it but didn't quite memorize it. So he was like forgetting lines and having to go back. and It was weird. It was goofy. When there is a public tongue, when there is a word to edify and comfort the church, it will be clear to those who are there. You have to understand that there is... uh, They're always, when it's a private tongue, it doesn't need to be interpreted. When it's a private prayer language, it doesn't need to be interpreted. It's between you and God. You're speaking mysteries to God. When it is a public tongue, it should always be interpreted. It should always be interpreted. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26 says this. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm? Each of you has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let, them be, let there be two or three at most, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. If there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, it's interesting that just a few verses before this, Paul, uh, Paul uh, is teaching and he says, pray that you, may be, that you may speak in tongues and that you may interpret. This is a gift that is given to all Spirit-filled believers. As the Spirit wills as the Spirit wills. As we step out in faith and engage in His presence, we may be used in speaking in tongues or may be used in interpreting the tongue. Now, I want to say this. Paul, and I want to read this in context. You say, what do you mean by context? I mean, we have to read it with what was happening in the day. The church in Corinth Was kind of messed up. The church in Corinth, they they were kind of messed up. They were saying, whenever you come together, each each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. This was not saying, hey, good job, guys. Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, an interpretation, and a tongue. It was saying, whoa, hold on. This is Paul's admonishment to the church in Corinth. This is Paul's correction to the church in Corinth. Why? Because they were having services, and during their church services or church gatherings, they would come together, and everybody had a tongue. Everybody had an interpretation. Everybody had a revelation. Everybody had a psalm. Everybody had a teaching. And they went on for hours and hours and hours. And Paul said, whoa, we need to rein some things in here. There needs to be some correction here. And so he starts giving them guidelines on how to use these things. Now, I want to add this, because if you keep reading in Scripture, you're going to see this next verse. (laughs) Verse 34 and 35 of the same chapter says this. Hi, honey, I love you. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Lock the doors, Dave. Don't let anybody leave. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. <laughs> but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. Bobby did, or Becky looks at me and she goes, yes. <laughs> and if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. This is not a prank. This is not a gotcha. This is truly in Scripture. Now, remember, all the women here, please look at me. Please. I don't want any mails. I don't want emails. I don't want phone calls. Because the reason that this is in Scripture is because of what was happening in the Corinthian church. Okay? This was correction to what was happening in the Corinthian church. Here's what would happen. Here's, Here's the picture. The men are on one side, the women are on the other. And if there wasn't something the women understood, they would, let's say the pastor was talking, and all of a sudden he would hear, Hey Bill! That's not a very good woman's voice. Hey Bill! (laughs) The, The thing that that pastor just said. This is a really horrible woman's voice. What does that mean? And so they would be yelling across the, uh, across the church in the aisle, and it would cause disruptions, and it, would, it, would, it just made everything crazy. And so Paul is admonishing the church, the church in Corinth. This is the narrative of what's happening. This is, the, this is just telling the narrative. This is, I'm giving you the context here. And so if we're reading it in context, we understand that in that time, for Paul to say, keep silent in churches... That was an appropriate thing to say to the the church in Corinth. For for women should not speak if they want to learn, ask their husbands at home. It's shameful for a woman to speak in church. This was the context of the time. Do all the women, uh, raise your hand if you understand. (laughs) Carrie's like, don't want to raise my hand. (laughs) Raise your hand if you're okay with me right now. Okay? In context. 1 Corinthians 14 says this. Keep going. did I miss one? 1 Corinthians 14, 39. It says this. That's all right. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. Let all things, and it ends it with this, let all things be done decently and in order. Paul was seeing the way that things were getting out of hand at the Corinthian church and he wanted them to always emphasize he wanted them to always emphasize that things were to be done decently and in order. Stop being there's what he was saying. He was saying, "Stop being goofy. Stop being strange just for the sake of being strange." Here's guidelines, here's principles, here's how we can move in the Spirit indecently and in order, and this is how the Spirit moves, decently and in order. Amen? Now, I want to emphasize this clearly. We've got a few minutes. When we look at Acts 10, go to Acts 10. These are the, the, the accounts of what happened when people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Those of the circumcision who believed were the Jews who believed in Christ. Okay? As many came with Peter, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. The Jews were amazed. They were saying, whoa, whoa, this is poured out on us and them. For the the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God hold on to that go to Acts chapter 19 verse 1 through 6 and it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus and finding some disciples he said to them did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed and they said to him we have not even heard so much as the Holy Spirit I mean, they had never heard of this baptism in the Holy Spirit they didn't know this And Paul says to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, baptism with water. Keep going. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to people that, that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. They spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Now, I want to bring in these two narratives. Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19 are the two narratives that we see in Scripture. That when they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they spoke with tongues. And that is what happened in the narrative here. But I want us to keep in mind that this narrative is not the normative. You say, Pastor David, what do you mean by that? I mean it is a description of what happened in that time, but not a prescription for what should happen always. Now, some churches believe If you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you do not speak in tongues, you never receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's some churches believe that. Some churches will believe that if you do not speak in tongues, you can't even call yourself saved. We have to understand that when we read scripture, sometimes we're reading a narrative How many remember the narrative in Scripture, or when I say narrative, the story in Scripture? How many remember the story in Scripture of Abraham having to sacrifice his son? Remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting put in the fiery flames, right? These are narratives. These are stories. These These are not prescriptions for what we should all do. God is not calling you to jump in a den full of lions. God is not calling you to joke go and jump in a fire. God is not calling you to sacrifice your firstborn son. Amen. Somebody better say amen to that. That would have been weird. Here's what we believe about tongues. What this church believes about tongues and I believe that it is in line with scripture that What happened here is the narrative. It's the story of what happened. It is the description of what happened, not a prescription for what should always happen. So there are some people who will pray to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they won't speak in tongues. And unfortunately, here's what's happened in the modern church. Is that those who don't speak in tongues are made to feel less than. Made to feel less holy than. They've been made to feel like, oh, I don't have that gift. And that's the most important gift. So I must not be truly baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are people that have cried before me saying, Pastor David, I've prayed for it over and over and over. And yet I've never received it. There are some people that would say, Pastor David, just, you know, I've, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. There are some churches that believe if you don't speak with tongues, you aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I would say that this is off base a bit. It's not heretical. It's not like heresy. It's not where we should stone them or anything. But It's off base a bit. Because what they're doing is looking at the narrative and saying this is the way it should always happen. Okay? And then there's some churches that, of course, like I said, they say if you don't speak in tongues, you're not even saved. Now, to that teaching, I would say it's absolutely false, it's absolutely heretical, and in fact, I believe it's absolutely sinful. In both cases, the emphasis on tongues is beyond where it should be. Now, I'm teaching on what tongues is, but I want to say it this way. One pastor said it this way, I like what he said. Tongues aren't the point, Jesus is. Got it? So you say, Pastor David, I prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I haven't received tongues. Tongues aren't the point. Jesus is, so don't sweat it. But there's far too many people believing that speaking in tongues is the gift instead of a gift. It's the gift. It's the the pinnacle. But that's not even what Paul says. That's not even what Scripture says. It's not the gift, it's a gift. Many churches place an emphasis, many believers in Christ place an emphasis on tongues that just isn't found in Scripture. And you say, Pastor David, what do you mean? And I want to speak this clearly. Throughout all of Scripture, and I I encourage you, study this for yourself. If you don't believe me, study this for yourself. Throughout all of Scripture, there's only two writers who ever make a point of discussing tongues. Luke and Paul. And it's worth noting that they both worked really closely in ministry together. There's not one other writer in the New Testament that ever mentions tongues. Ever. Even first-hand witnesses to the upper room experience. First-hand witnesses. Guys like Peter, James, John, they, they were firsthand, they saw the upper room, they saw what happened, they saw Pentecost, they were there. They were at the event. They don't mention tongues one time in their writings. In fact, Peter discusses the spiritual gifts in First Peter and doesn't even mention tongues. In fact, he says the first gift is prophecy. The first gift is prophecy. He places an emphasis on prophecy more than tongues. Why? Because prophecy can be understood by men. Tongues cannot. Acts 10, Acts chapter 19, it was the narrative of what happened there, but it wasn't the normative for what should always happen. And then Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, 19 says this. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. I thank God that I speak. He, 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 he's saying this to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, I thank God that I speak with tongues. I thank God that I speak in tongues. I thank God that he has given me this gift. It is a legitimate gift for today. I thank God that he has given me this gift. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue that nobody understands. He's admonishing the Corinthian church He's telling the Corinthian church, listen, tongues is a good thing. I wish you all spoke in in tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you. I pray to God. I Thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, we need to dial it back a little bit. Tongues isn't the point. Jesus is the point. Amen? So what are we to conclude? First, tongues is a gift absolutely a gift and it's a gift that was valuable to paul it's a it's a gift that was very valuable to paul it's a gift that if you have you thank god for it if you have the gift thank god for it and use it frequently when you're praying in the spirit pray in the spirit and you're in your prayer closet and and you don't know what else to speak you start to speak in tongues and you, you use it frequently that God, you, I, you know what I need, so that's what is going up to heaven. Tongues is a gift and a gift that was valuable to Paul. It's a gift that you have. So if it's a gift you have, thank God for it and use it frequently. Second is this. Not all speak with tongues. Not all speak with tongues. The Bible clearly says, are all prophets prophets? Are all teachers? Do all speak with tongues? Do all heal? Do all interpret? These are rhetorical questions. The answer clearly is no. It doesn't mean you're less than holy. It doesn't mean you're less open to God. Maybe you don't speak in tongues, but God has gifted you with healing. Maybe you don't speak in tongues, but God has gifted you with the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. It is as the Spirit wills. God is sovereign. He is God and I am not. It is as the Spirit wills. I once had a college professor tell me that if you were not baptized with the Holy Spirit, with speaking in tongues, you could not get anybody saved through your ministry. That if you were not baptized with the Holy Spirit, with speaking in tongues, you couldn't get anybody saved through your ministry. Now, being the person that I am, I raised my hand. I said, I got a question. And he rolled his eyes. And he said, okay, David, the question man, go ahead. I said, can you please explain Billy Graham to me? A man who believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but does not speak in tongues. And the millions of people who have been saved through the ministry. We'll get to that one later. Let's keep going. That's how it went. Maybe God hasn't gifted you with speaking in tongues. But the Bible says this. We should earnestly seek the gifts. Earnestly seek the gifts. You say, well, Pastor David, how are we going to know if they're filled with the Spirit then if they don't speak in tongues? Because it's a sign Right? I mean, it's a sign that, there's, that they're filled with the Spirit, that they're saved. I believe there's other signs that say that you're filled with the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit are part of them. Fruit of the Spirit is a big part of it. Come on. Fruit of the Spirit. I like that, Bobby. Get me hooping open here. <laughs> Fruit of the Spirit is a big indicator. Do you have a desire to share the gospel with people? But the Holy Spirit's empowered you to share your testimony, to witness Christ to people. That's a good sign you're filled with the Spirit. Why? Because he draws people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit draws people, not to himself. Doesn't cause attention, bring attention to him, brings attention to Christ. This is our last teaching on the gifts right now. And keep in mind, the gifts aren't the point. Jesus is the point. I'm going to say it again. The gifts are not the point. Jesus is the point. Come on. Now, nah. <laughs> okay. What are we to conclude? Number three, a private prayer, a private prayer tongue needs no interpretation. Okay, I want to end it with this. It is lifting yourself up in the spirit. It's edifying yourself. Bible is very clear on that. Number four, when there is a public tongue for prophecy... For a word to exhort and and comfort and lift up the church, edification, there should always be an interpretation. If there is nobody to interpret, the Bible says clearly you should be silent. The last one is this. We are to earnestly seek all the gifts that God has for us. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I keep saying it. We are to earnestly seek all the gifts that God has for us. Earnestly. Praying for them. God, if, I know a pastor, well-known, believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, says, I have prayed for speaking in tongues over and over and over and over and over. It's just never happened. It's just never happened. You say, Pastor David, what if, what if God never gives me this gift? Be grateful with the other gifts he has given you. Use the other gifts he has given you. Use the word of knowledge. Use healings. Use miracles. Use faith. Operate in the gifts of the spirit, but operate in the fruit of the spirit. Amen? Amen.